The solemnity of the Epiphany is one of the oldest liturgical celebrations in the church, even older uh, than Christmas. Christmas came later. The word Epiphany comes from two Greek words. The Greek word phania, which is, uh, means to shine in Greek, to shine upon something, and the Greek word epi, which means upon. So the word, the literal word, means to shine upon someone. An epiphany is when someone is shined upon. It's a revelation, a manifestation, an aha moment that even the ancient pagan Greeks attributed to the work of the gods. I had a small moment like that in the fall of 1986. I had broken up with a girl I'd been dating off and on for about six years. She was the first girl with whom I had ever discussed marriage, and it was a bad breakup. Anyway, I went to go talk with a priest that my dad knew, and after a long conversation, he walked me out to my car. And just as we walked out of the shadow of his office building, he turned to me and said, have you ever thought about being a priest? And at that very instant, we came out of the shadow and the sun shined directly on my face. The sun shone on me. And it was epiphany moment. 
to which I turned to the priests and told the truth, no, never. But it was the beginning point of an eight-year journey that eventually had me enter the seminary in 1994. I don't think the Magi took that much time from the time of their epiphany, seeing the stars, to the time when they found Jesus in Bethlehem. But theirs was no easy trip. Most theologians and historians conclude that these men from the East, these Magi, were Persian astronomers, meaning they lived in what is now modern-day Iran. And the journey from Persia to Bethlehem was a long one being over a thousand miles across open desert. Let's go through the story of the Magi today and see how it applies to us by looking at the three movements they make. First, by their seeing the star and making a journey to see a king. Second, by their adoration and gift giving. And finally, by their decision to take another route back. Now, in ancient times, people were much more in tune to the sky than we are, right? In the city, with all of our artificial lights, we can hardly even see the stars at night. But for astronomers like the Magi, the stars, especially when there were unusual lights in the sky, were messages from God. So a highly unusual star would have been a strong sign from God. Enough so that they set out on an 1,000-mile journey to see what the sign revealed. Many of us can recognize times in our lives when we know God intervened in our life. We may have felt a great sense of his presence or even the desert of his absence that made us seek him. The Magi had both, the star from God that signified a great king and the desert of God's absence that they crossed. You know, each of us here today made a decision about coming today to church. We could be anywhere we want right now, even me. We don't need three priests at Mass. I could have gotten them to say it. But each of us came here, some of us from Metairie or across the river, maybe some from out of town. And we came, whether we consciously thought it or not, we came to see Jesus. And so the Magi then get to see Jesus. What do they do? They prostrated themselves before him, worshipped him, and gave him gifts. The act of prostrating themselves and worshipping seems really pretty routine for us who recognize Jesus as God. But this would have been highly unusual for these Persian Magi and those who witnessed it. Persia was a vast powerful empire and Judah was a tiny nation. So of course they went to its capital seeking the king. But lo and behold, now they're in the tiny hamlet of Bethlehem in a small house, prostrate and worshiping a baby. It's really unthinkable, but such must have been the power of the epiphany that they believed in the kingship and divinity of Jesus. And their gifts fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah in the first reading, gold for a king and frankincense, which was burned before God to represent our prayers going up to him with the smoke. But they also bring a third gift, myrrh, which word is only used twice in the whole Bible, once here as the Magi's gift and once when it is mixed with 
oil at the burial of Jesus. The myrrh symbolizes how the king and God will accomplish his victory by dying and rising. And what do we do here today? We don't prostrate ourselves, but we do kneel in adoration and worship of Jesus. And you, like the Magi, also offer gifts in the collection. And these gifts allow us to purchase the gold chalices used in divine worship, the incense used at Mass. Your gifts even pay for the fragrant oil we use in our sacraments, especially baptism, where a baby is buried under water, symbolizing dying with Christ to emerge and be anointed like Christ. It's also the oil used in the sacrament of the sick for those who are anticipating death. In coming here today, participating in divine worship and contributing to the church, you are imitating the Magi today. And the third thing the Magi do, they're warned in a dream not to return to Herod, so they departed for their country by another route. If we remember the Gospel last Sunday, we had Joseph getting three different messages from God in a dream. So God is speaking to the Magi in their dreams. And what was this other route? There are some ancient images that depict the Magi in boats. Getting back to Persia by boat would have been going down the Jordan to the Red Sea, down the Red Sea to the Arabian Sea, and then up the Persian Gulf. Personally, I think that would have been a much more refreshing journey than back across a thousand miles of desert. But the other route also signifies is a change in their lives, a new way of being after their encounter with the Lord Jesus. There's a Greek word for that that's called metanoia, a repentance, a change of heart, a spiritual conversion. And that's another way that we can imitate the Magi. Each of us has sins from which we need to repent, but by coming here, worshiping Jesus in the sacrament of his body and blood, and then seeking another route away from the desert of sin to the flowing waters of his grace, we grow in faith and favor before him. I'm, I've always been grateful for that priest 35 years ago who was the first person to ask me to think about the priesthood. And I do think it was an epiphany that the sun hit me in the eyes at that very moment. And I know God's hand has guided me along the way, despite my sinfulness and stubbornness. But without his one question, which planted the seed, I'm not sure where I would be today. But with his question and my epiphany, and a long road since then, I have the joy of being here to celebrate the solemnity of the epiphany with you.